Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. Hi, hey, Beth. How you doing? I'm good. Hanging in the closet. Excited to see you. I know. It is. It's fun to see you. We're, we're recording on our app and on our Zoom. <laughs> yeah. It's easier to feel more connected when we're talking on video and yes, can wave hey. at each other. You guys can't see us waving. And blow kisses. <laughs> So what's going on with you? How are things outside uh, your closet? Things are great outside of our closet. It's the weather is warming up and so it's nice to be outside doing things and things are going and we have three weeks left of school. That's what I'm holding on to. Ooh, we have more. We have six weeks. We don't get out till June 10th. Sorry for you. Yeah. <laughs> school yeah air quote school (laughs) yep um so let me tell you what happened this week outside my closet um my son had a video conference my oldest son who is nine had a video conference with his entire class this week which they do every week but this week I at the same time was completely rearranging his room because you know that's what we do in quarantine day 982 and I had everything ripped apart and I came out to check on him to see if he was okay to go on his video conference and he had on a cowboy hat so he was sitting in front of the computer with like his giant cowboy hat on and I was like oh is it silly hat day on your zoom conference call he was like no mom I was like oh well why do you have on a cowboy hat He's like, I couldn't find my baseball hats because you've got my room all torn up and I couldn't find my baseball hats. I was like, oh, why why do you want to wear a baseball hat? And he's like, nothing, mom, nothing. It's fine. I was like, no, really? Why do you want to wear a baseball hat? That's weird. So he finally confesses because of the haircut that his dad and I gave him and he could not go on his Zoom call with his entire class with this DIY haircut. Oh, my goodness so he'd prefer a cowboy hat (laughs) like it has to be so bad and the thing that's funny is like we thought we did a good job I mean it doesn't look like his normal haircut for sure but it's not bad right yeah but I don't know it's not it's not the pro well, that's true. I'm not a pro hairstylist. And it really makes me wonder what other things that I am trying to do that I'm not actually trained for, how bad I'm doing at those. Oh. Like teaching. <laughs> I think like today was a great day. Mommy learned all about fractions. And he's going to go back to school like in an educational cowboy hat to cover up the damage that mom did while she was trying to teach him at home. Oh my goodness. 
it's fine. Yeah. We're fine. Everything's fine. good. We're all good here. <laughs> Get yep. that, like, I have that Ross meme in my head. I'm fine. Totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's good. Yeah. Nobody worry. <laughs> We're all going to survive. That's what's most important. We may come out with bad haircuts and not knowing how to do fractions properly, but we're going to be fine. Yes. Um, you should tell everybody what your plans are for the day. Oh. <laughs> um, it is going to be 86 degrees here today. And so I have made a couple of wine slushes, red and white, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wine flushes. Yes, okay. wine. Um, I bought these mixes in St. Pete like months ago and I f- just found them and I was like, oh, I'm going to pour a bottle of wine in this Tupperware and mix and make a slush. So that's what I did. But we are also um, planning a pool in our backyard. So my plan is right now to sit in my lounge chair with my slush and pretend that the pool is already there. <laughs> And this, people, is why I'm friends with Christy. <laughs> I'll take a picture of myself with it, and uh, maybe I'll try and superimpose a pool in the background of it. Yes. <laughs> like with the fake backgrounds on Zoom that you can do. <laughs> you guys should just get a giant blue tarp and just, like, sit around the giant blue tarp. Turn the sprinklers <laughs> like, on and just Make slide. your kids. Yes. Make your kids. Yes have them sit on the tarp so it looks like they're in the pool like this could be amazing this could be a famous mm, meme yep yep might happen might happen I'm just saying yeah okay so speaking of famous are you ready to hear about this case this i'm week? so ready okay you might know about it because it is a famous case all right hit me but i feel like you're not going to know the victim oh. oh interesting you'll know the you'll know the murderer um, so the, this is the murder of Travis Alexander. Okay. Yeah, I had not heard that name, so. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so let me tell you about my friend Travis. Travis Victor Alexander was born July 28th, 1977. He was born in Riverside, California. Travis had seven siblings, so big family but he had a really really hard upbringing his parents were addicted to meth almost his entire life they were extremely impoverished and just the kids as a whole were very abused neglected they were just kind of left to their own devices all the time And his parents just were constantly in and out of trouble and struggling with substance abuse his whole life. So he had a hard childhood. When he was 11, his father actually passed away. And when his dad passed away, him and his siblings were taken under the wing of his father's grandparents. So they kind of came and saved them. And they introduced the family, but Travis in particular, to the Mormon religion. So you said the father's grandparents. So this is his, Travis's great grandparents? No, I'm sorry. The father's okay. parents. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. So it's his paternal grandparents that took him in. Um, so they introduced him to the Mormon faith, and he becomes baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and ends up 
just becoming obsessed with this church. He's extremely involved. I think his grandparents were obviously extremely involved and kind of pushed them all into that. But Travis really took to it. And he, during his high school years, ended up going on missions with the church. And after high school, he actually became a leader of the church. And he really just thrived there. I mean, it just was structure. It was, you know, it's what he needed. And so he ended up becoming, that church was a huge part of his life. So I couldn't find anywhere where Travis went on to college, but he did extremely well in high school and then ended up getting a job as a sales representative for prepaid legal service, which is a company that is um, in California and the West Coast in general. And he kind of worked his way up through the ranks there and ended up becoming their most successful sales rep at the time. So he was number one in the company and he moved to Mesa, Arizona and bought a 4,000 square foot house. He had a BMW. He started really enjoying the fruits of his labor and you know, he liked nice suits and he liked to go out and he was still really, really involved in the church and continued to be a leader at the church in Arizona. And he, you know, he was just totally thriving, like living his life. He was kind of a rags to riches story. He was a super nice guy from all accounts, very dynamic life of the party, extremely generous, you know, very religious, just a good guy. And he ended up started doing motivational speaking for his company, Prepaid Legal Services. So in September of 2006, Travis was speaking at a sales conference for his company in Las Vegas. And through some mutual friends, he met a woman, a beautiful blonde woman by the name of Jody Arias. Oh, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> So Jody Arias and him had an instant connection. They became extremely fast friends. They really, really liked each other, enjoyed each other's company. And they hung out until four in the morning the first time that they met. And, um, you know, they just, they hit it off right from the beginning. And after the conference was over, they stayed in contact. So let me tell you about our friend Jody. Please do. Jody and yeah. <laughs> Jody Ann Arias was born July 9th of 1980. She was born in Salinas, Salinas, California, and she had a really idyllic childhood. She had two loving parents that were together. They lived in a suburban neighborhood. She went to good schools. She made, you know, had good grades. She really just had a normal California upbringing. She was blonde. She was cute. People liked her. She was really into photography and, you know, that kind of became her niche and she enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. And then when she hit her teen years, she started to get rebellious and she ended up dropping out of high school at the age of 17. Oh, so obviously some of her choices created a risk in her family and they became kind of distant. And that distance actually remained 
forever. She never really did reconnect with them. And she just kind of, she just ran off and wanted to do her own thing. She moved around a lot. She waited tables. She did some like odd photography jobs. And then in 2006, she got a job as a sales rep with prepaid legal services. And that's where she met Travis in Las Vegas. Mm. So at the time that they met, Jody lived in Palm Desert, California, and Travis lived in Mesa, Arizona. So it's about a four-hour commute. They talked constantly. They would commute to see each other. And they got very hot and heavy very quick. They had an extremely sexual relationship. It's kind of what the relationship centered around from all accounts. But this was a problem for Travis because Travis was Mormon. And not only is it very against his religion to have premarital sex, but he is doing this and dating someone who is not a Mormon. Oh, and that's not allowed either. Like, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Mormon. It's very frowned upon as well. So both of these, and he's a leader in his church, remember? So he's not just like some run of the mill, you know, church member. He, he's a leader there. He has a reputation and he, he kind of keeps her a secret. And from his friends' accounts, what they how they describe it is that she was kind of his dirty little secret, if that makes any sense. So it's almost like it's not an illicit affair, but it felt like an illicit affair to Travis, like something he wasn't allowed to be doing. And the forbiddenness is kind of what made it great. But at the same time, like he couldn't possibly be serious about her. Right. Yeah. You know, she's. She's this deviant, sexually deviant, non-Mormon other woman. Jody does not feel this way. Jody is absolutely head over heels for Travis. You know, he's this wealthy success story bachelor who everyone loves, who is this very nice, clean cut guy. And, you know, she's his sort of fun mistress. She is absolutely infatuated with him falls head over heels she wants to have babies she wants to get married she loves him so two months into the relationship I'm gonna repeat that two months into the relationship Jody moves to Mesa Arizona to be closer to Travis and actually becomes baptized in the Mormon faith so she changes where she lives she changes her religion Two months into the relationship. Did she move in with him or just closer to him? She does not move in with him. Again, because this is against his religion. So he can't possibly live with another woman people would know. So he still kind of keeps her a secret. Like his friends know about her. His close friends know about her. But as far as like the community in general and his church, like they're just friends. She's just a church member. He assisted in the baptism. I mean, he's super professional when it comes to like their relationship being public, but they do continue to see each other. And, you know, eventually as time goes on and she's proving to be as far as her public face, a good Mormon, he, the relationship kind of comes out and they do a lot of traveling together 
all over the country. They have a lot of fun. There are so many pictures of them whitewater rafting and skiing and hiking and, you know, just doing all kinds of fun things. And they're a very beautiful couple. And, you know, they're just, they look like they're having fun. But Travis never really lets go of the fact that she's not the ideal Mormon. She's not exactly who he wants to commit to. He says, he's just kind of having fun. And she's fun for now. And, you know, I mean, he's just not on the same page as far as that goes. Um, as time goes on, Jody gets kind of clingy. You know, she starts to be jealous. She starts to, she can sense, I think, probably that he's not all in with her. And she feels like she's giving more than he's giving. And she gets, she starts doing, like, going through his phone and going through his emails. And just like, you know, those typical things that girls do sometimes that we all want to shake them for you know he's just not that into you (laughs) so in june 2007 jody and travis break up jody is still living in mesa arizona she is 10 minutes away from travis and they stay friends in air quotes like friends however that is yes That's the impression that I get. So Travis is dating other people at the same time, though. So I do feel like he's kind of, you know, he's stringing her along a bit, a little bit. He knows that she is in love with him and he's just kind of using her when he doesn't have someone else. I mean, this is Jody's story. So, you know, but she started doing some crazy things. She started showing up at his house unannounced without him inviting her and his roommates would be there and you know sometimes they would cover for him and sometimes they would say you need to go away and sometimes she refused he would come home sometimes late at night after dates or just nights out and she would just be sleeping on his couch (laughs) and she would climb in the doggy door oh my goodness that is just a little extreme Yeah, we'll just wait. So then when he was out on these dates, his the tires on his car were getting slashed. So then the tires of his dates cars started getting slashed. So <laughs> cuckoo. <yeah. laughs> cuckoo. So he doesn't know that this is Jody. I mean he can't prove that it's Jody, so he doesn't ever report it, but he certainly confronts her about it. And is very angry about it. And, you know, it's, it's affecting his life. So he ends up telling his friends, like, she's crazy. She's a sociopath. She's the worst thing that ever happened to me. And the friends agree. They do not like Jody. They say that their relationship is like gas and fire. That it's very tumultuous. Super toxic for both of them. And finally, in April of 2008... Jody moves away from Mesa, Arizona to Wairica, California, and she moves in with her grandparents. So we don't really know why she moved, but my assumption is that she just needed to get away. She probably ran out of money. She wasn't like the greatest sales rep for prepaid legal services. Maybe her grandparents needed help. I don't know. But Travis is like, whew, thank goodness. Get this crazy lady out of my town. And things kind of seem to calm down. And he doesn't really mention her anymore. 
you know, his friends are relieved. They're happy that she's gone. You know, okay. Crisis averted, right? Crazy ex-girlfriend is gone. So then that brings us to June 4th of 2008. So this is a couple months after Jody leaves. And Travis misses a very important work phone call. So his work is concerned by this. This is not like him. Remember, he is their top sales rep. He's their motivational speaker for the company. He is their go-to guy. This is odd of him. So his friends are trying to reach him and they can't get a hold of him. Nobody knows where he is. And everyone kind of starts to get concerned so he had this work trip that was coming up later in the month of June to Cancun, Mexico. And he had invited a female friend named Mimi to go with him on the trip. And the trip was coming up. It was just in a few days and Mimi could not get a hold of him. She had no idea where his was, where he was, and then his voicemail was full. So she was like, that's it. Something's going on. He's not trying to avoid me and work. That doesn't make any sense. We need to go check on him. So she calls a couple of his friends, his close friends, and say, let's just go to his house. So they go to his house. They knock on the door. His roommate answers the door, and they're like, hey, where's Travis? He's like, Mexico? And they were like, no, he's not in Mexico. Mimi's like, I'm going to Mexico with him. We're not in Mexico. It's not for a couple of days. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen him for a few days. I thought he left. I thought that's where he was. I hadn't seen him. So they're like, okay, Travis is missing. So they find the key to his, the master bedroom. And which apparently he locks because he has roommates. And they go into the room and immediately notice the smell they see blood everywhere, all over the bed, all over the floor, all over the walls, leading to the bathroom, all over the bathroom, the sink, the mirrors. And they find Travis naked, bloody, and dead in his shower. Oh, my gosh. And he's just been there, and the roommate didn't – there was, like, no stench coming out of the room? <laughs> Good question. Um, yes. They did say, the roommate did say that he did notice, like, a funny, weird, not pleasant smell, but it was a bachelor pad, and he was like, Travis has left something in his room and gone to Mexico, and like, my gosh, it's, it's, it stinks in here, you know? I don't know, boys, I can't speak to their smell sensitivities. I think we would definitely be like, you are not going to stink up my house like this, I'm coming in, you know, but... He didn't really think it was a big deal. You know, he didn't think Travis was there. He thought he was gone. So he was last seen on June 3rd, we know for sure. Um, and then it was not until June 9th that his friends find him. Oh, wow. So, right. So it was a scene. Um, and Travis was 31 at the time. So he was a young man. So Mimi calls 911. And... You can listen to the call, reports what they found, and the dispatcher asks her questions, was he suicidal? Um, you know, 
typical questions that I feel like you're going to ask if the person is talking. And she asks him, was he threat? asks Mimi, was he threatened by anybody? And Mimi says, yes, he was. He had an ex-girlfriend that has been bothering him. Her name is Jody. Hmm. So she immediately suspects Jody. So the police come, they find no forced entry in the entire house. It's very clear that this was not a robbery. Travis had jewelry, he had his watch, he had, uh, his car was there, his wallet was sitting right there, completely undisturbed. And they know for sure that this was very clearly a crime of passion. I mean, for one, he was found Mm -hmm. naked in his shower. He had 29 stab wounds. His throat was slit. And he had a gunshot wound to the head. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Overkill. And he had some defensive wounds to his hands as well. So he had, you know, there'd been a fight. There'd been a struggle, which was also clear throughout the entire room and bathroom. So his death, obviously, was ruled a homicide. They found a palm print that did not match Travis's in blood on the wall leading from the bedroom to the bathroom. They found a very long blonde hair in the sink of the bathroom. Jodie a blonde? And they found she was a blonde bombshell. And they found DNA that was clearly not Travis's. So they also found a 25 caliber round near Travis's body, which is what they believe that he was shot with in the head. No gun, no knife. Um, They did find, which was very odd, so they took it into evidence, in the washing machine, there was a digital camera that was kind of shoved underneath towels and sheets. And had been run through the washer. And it was a very, it was a really, really nice digital camera. It was fairly new. And so it was very waterlogged and damaged. But they took that into evidence. Interestingly, about a day after Travis was found, Jody calls the detective that is the head of the case. And she says, I'm a friend of Travis's. We were really close. And I this freaks me out and I really just want to be of any assistance that I can because I did know him really well. So the detective's like, tell me about that. So she says, well, we were intimate, but we were not romantic. So she kind of brings up the friends with benefits thing. Um, Said that they did still have like the relationship they did have was sexual, but they weren't together. She says, I live in California now, and I actually haven't seen Travis since I moved here in April. So I'm I'm still in contact with him and I still talk to him, but I haven't actually, I haven't been back to Arizona and I haven't seen him since I moved a couple months ago. And um, she's like, oh, we had this trip that he was going to come out here. It was planned. We were so excited. And so, of course, there's, well, where were you? Where were you the week of June 3rd? And she says, well, I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, on a work conference trip. So they say, okay, 
Um, she said I was with my friend, Ryan. He saw me there. He can confirm I was there. And they say, well, you know, his friends suspect you. His friends, his friends think you had something to do with this. Do you know why they would think that? And she says, well, you can listen to this phone call. She says, well, I, you know, I'm the ex-girlfriend and his friends didn't really like me. And he ended up dating one of his friends. And so, you know, they just don't like me. They never did. So they say, okay, will you come give some DNA samples? And she says, sure. Sure, I'll come do that. So she comes in. She provides her DNA samples. And the police are waiting for the results to come back and start going through the evidence. They find the memory card from the waterlogged camera and are actually able to recover some photos some of the photos are super mundane of Travis, you know, in front of a lake or holding up a fish or whatever. But then they find some deleted photos. And the deleted photos are dated June 4th of 2008. So this is the day after anyone had heard from Travis. And in the photos, there's Travis laying in bed, naked, that someone has taken a picture of him. And then there are pictures of Jody, naked, laying in bed, that clearly someone has took of her. And she's in Travis's bed. They're in his be- in his bedroom, in his bathroom in Mesa, Arizona. So when she she's was. supposedly in Utah. She had <laughs> Right. And hadn't been to Mesa, Arizona since April. So you can look at these photos, some of these photos. And the last photo, there's, it's just so eerie. It is of Travis. It's at 5.29 p.m. And he is in the shower naked. And he is staring dead at the camera. Clearly alive. It's just like a haunting picture. And then 136 seconds later, there is another photo of the top of a head and a shoulder covered in blood oh my gosh right so they then get the results of all of the dna that had come back in the bedroom and bathroom and the palm print is a match for jody the dna that they found the hair that they found all a match so on july 26 of 2008 just after jody's 28th birthday she is arrested at her grandparents' house in Wairika, California. She's extradited to Arizona, and she is charged with first-degree murder and held without bail. She pleads not guilty. Um, so this is when Jody comes up with another story. Now they know she was there. So she makes up the story, which is famously known as the ninja story. In the ninja story... She literally claims that two masked, dressed in all black ninjas come into Travis's house, come into his bedroom, uh, attack him, beat him up, stab him, strip him naked, shoot him, leave him in the shower, argue about what to do with her, and then ultimately decide to let her go. Ninjas are real, people. They are real. (laughs) Yes. So, 
no one believes this story, obviously. And there's no evidence of this. Again, there's no forced entry. His roommates didn't see anything. And what would their motive have been? There's absolutely no motive whatsoever. Well, their roommates. So then Jody... the roommates didn't see anything because they're ninjas, and ninjas are notorious for like entering <laughs> stealth. So I don't know why you don't believe the story. I I, just, I don't get it. <laughs> so now you're telling me that we can't hide in our closets no. from ninjas. Ninjas, ninjas will get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch out for those ninjas, especially in Arizona. Um, so then she claims that she was so freaked out and so scared and had been so threatened that she drives on to her conference in Salt Lake City, Utah, and goes about her day and doesn't say anything and was really glad when they finally found him because she just couldn't be the one because the ninjas were after her. So the murder begins and in May of 2008 she claims or they find out she doesn't claim sorry they find out that um her grandparents house had been robbed so this is not maybe two weeks before the actual murder took place they find out that her grandparents house were robbed and a 25 caliber pistol was taken amongst other things but that was one of them ninjas so in the trial, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be our excuse for everything. Now. So they claim that Jody staged this robbery at her grandparents' house and took the gun in order to be able to shoot hmm. Travis. So this case becomes huge. I mean, it is extremely publicized. She goes on 48 hours. She is on Inside Edition. She is super calm. She is super poised, very articulate. It is a media sensation. People are camped out outside courtrooms. They are so obsessed with the story nationally, not just in Arizona, but everywhere. So her friend Ryan who she was with in Salt Lake City takes the stand and he says that she showed up on June 5th and in a rental car and that she had her blonde hair had been dyed dark brown Mm. and that she had cuts and scrapes on her hands and arms which she claims came from a restaurant that she was working part time at she had cut broke some glasses while trying to make drinks or wash them or something. And that's how she get. that's how she justifies those cuts. So in a shocking twist, Jody during the trial takes the stand in her own defense. Homegirl testifies for 18 days. What, what could she have to say for 18 days? Well, they grilled the snot out of her for one because her ninja story that probably took eight days just in itself to try to pick that thing up chart, figure out where she was what she was trying to say there but she claims that this was a domestic violence situation and that she had to kill Travis in order to fight for her life hmm. so she claims 
that Travis is extremely abusive, that he was emotionally and physically abusive to her throughout their relationship, that there were multiple accounts of violence. And what she says happened, this is story number three, by the way. So first we have, I was never there. I haven't been there in months. Then we have the ninja story, which I think is our personal favorite. Now she has, Travis was, Travis abused me. So she claims that Travis was very jealous of the fact that she had this friend, Ryan, and that she was going to this conference with him. And he begged her to please come to his house so that he could talk to her and that they could connect before she goes to Ryan's house. So she takes a detour and agrees. And he asked for her to come in. He asked for her to stay with him. And he asked to do this sexually explicit photo shoot. So she agreed and was hanging out and doing those things with him. And they were in the bathroom and her hands got wet because they were in the shower and she dropped his camera and he became enraged Hmm. because he broke the camera. He came after her. He was screaming at her, grabbing at her, trying to hurt her, saying he was going to kill her. She ran into his closet, got his gun Feels like that it went off, but doesn't remember pulling the trigger. And then the next thing that she remembers, she is driving 200 miles away over the Hoover Dam with her hands covered in blood. Hmm. So she loses her memory. So this is a self-defense claim. She also brings up things that she's trying to just slander Travis's name. She makes claims that he wanted really odd things from her in the bedroom, that he asked her to wear like little boys underwear and that he was into children. And, you know, there's not, they, they search his computers. There's nothing to validate these claims that she has. He has nothing inappropriate anywhere that they can find. This is just her saying this. They have his other, girlfriends and friends and family members testify that they never had any never saw any violent behavior or jealous behavior or controlling behavior out of him but she is just doing everything she can to make him look like a super bad guy now they do play some voicemails and show some some text messages from him where he's really really mad like enraged calling her bad names being angry and um but yeah, I mean, she's stalking him. She's slashing his tires. Right, yeah. So he is going to call her and be like, you're crazy. Leave me alone. You have problems, you know. And they were ugly, the things he was saying. They weren't nice, but I can't say that I wouldn't do the same well, I, thing. Yeah, she was like psycho. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. She was being psycho. And he was trying to say to her, get away from me. Mm. Leave me alone. Yeah. I don't like you, you know. So... You know, the family is obviously devastated at all of these things that she is saying, but the prosecutors were able to debunk the um, Travis being an abuser and they were able, they feel like, to show premeditation because she stole the gun from her grandparents' house, they think. She rented a car, which is really weird that she would do that. She actually bought gas cans prior to her making the 700 plus mile trip from 
Wairika, California to Mesa, Arizona. We assumed so that she wouldn't be seen getting gas. Oh, makes sense. And I mean, you know, there's, there's some questions I think that we all have about it. Like how did she overpower this man who was twice her size and end up stabbing him and killing him? What was she doing there originally? Like, did she just show up? Because even if she did just show up unannounced, he let her in. He got naked with her in her bedroom, in his bedroom, and took photos. Right. So clearly there were some relationships still going on there. So, you know, there's questions. But ultimately, on May 7th of 2013, after 15 hours of deliberations, the jury found Jody Arias guilty of first-degree murder. So originally, the death penalty works is there has to be a trial for that well for sentencing and it has to be unanimous in order for them to get the death penalty and there was a hung jury twice on that and so after that happens two times she automatically just gets life in prison so she is being held in Arizona State Prison under a life sentence and she's appealed obviously several times the last appeal was actually the conviction was upheld just in March of 2020 yeah, so just a couple months ago. Oh, so. wow. That's where she is. That's my, it's like fatal attraction. No kidding. And she is just like. And I just feel man, like I want to point out so. that they met in September and broke up in June. So that's, that's all they dated. So like just under a year. Right. I mean, some Clearly, girls just go Jody all in. Went all in all day. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to lie, like, you know, barring the, like, crazy part, <laughs> I'd probably be friends with her. I mean, for her, like, because she, like, legit made up, like, an, a ninja story. Like, you... I'm sorry. I love the ninja story. <laughs> And I would have probably stuck by her side and be like, for real people, ninjas. The best part is just her thinking about like, she's been arrested and she's in her jail cell probably for the first night. And she's laying there thinking, how am I going to get out of this? I know, ninjas. (laughs) Night ninjas, (laughs) y'all. All right, you got anything to add to that? I don't I don't really know how you can. You can't add anything to that. You can't dispute any of it. Like it's just <laughs> can't make this stuff up. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. It was funny. I enjoyed that. I mean, it wasn't funny. It's clearly <laughs> Rest tragic. in peace, Travis. <laughs> However, it was a very entertaining part of it. <laughs> yeah, especially these dress. So sorry the ninjas got you. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's nothing else I can add to that. Um, but I do want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Um, we totally, um, appreciate all of the feedback that we've gotten on Apple. We've gotten a few reviews, which is nice. And we Yay! actually had our first email 
was like from case, a listener case suggestion so yeah. thanks jessica lily <laughs> um uh yeah with a case suggestion so that was awesome that was really cool to see and you know if you have anybody else wants to drop us an email that would be great if you want to leave us a yep. voice message you can do that on anchor <laughs> i don't know if y'all yes. know that i put a link click the link um and find us on instagram and facebook as usual and remember the world is scary people suck hide in your closet bye bye y'all <laughs>